Welcome back to Innovation Big and Small. Hi there, Jim. Hi, how are you today, Squirrel? I'm doing okay, and I'm really intensely curious about something because I discovered that we might have different meanings in the, the startup world and in the big company world for the same adjective, and the adjective is open. So when yeah. we talk about open or open source in software uh, technology world, we mean a particular thing. But I, I think you might mean something different when you're talking about open innovation. Do you, do you want to tell us a bit about what that means? Because I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't, I don't know what it is in your world. Yeah, I think open innovation is a very big thing in corporations. Um, and it's a related concept, I think, to open source innovation. So open innovation in corporations means the purposeful flow of uh, ideas inside and outside the company. So if you have something that you choose not to monetize inside, then finding ways of, uh, of monetizing it through others. Or if you have a need uh, for a solution or you, uh, you don't know how to do something you want uh, to see if somebody else does, then you know, running a contest or a challenge and putting the, putting the problem out to a large number of people is, uh, is what people usually refer to as open innovation. Um, and open innovation, it, corporations really care a lot about controlling the IP in open innovation. I think that's the biggest distinction between open innovation generally and open source innovation. In open source innovation, it's organic. It's, uh, you know, the IP is, uh, you know, open source IP, you know, copyleft or Berkeley software uh, license or whatever. But in open innovation, it's just wanting something, finding it, getting it, bringing it inside the corporation. Interesting. And how would a contest work? So that's a new idea to me. Certainly startups don't do anything like that. I think startups would be extremely excited if anybody cared enough to even talk to them about a contest. They're just yeah. usually so far under the radar that that no one would notice if they ran one. That's usually my experience. But uh, would would a large corporation sort of advertise to the world, try this out? You know, How does that work? Do you have any examples? Yeah. So there, um, generally, there are a lot of intermediaries or a few intermediaries Companies like Innocentive, which was the first, and Nine Sigma, and Yet2.com. And those, uh, they basically have this community of people who've solved up to be problem solvers. And they come from a whole lot of different uh, domains. And then companies pay to uh, be on the platform. They frame a problem, and then the, the intermediary blasts it out to uh, to its solver community. One of the big challenges is framing it well so that people can look at it and say, yeah, this is something I could contribute or not. And uh, and so the intermediary gets paid. There's also a reward to the person who solves it. It can be relatively small or it can be very large um, depending on the nature of the problem. And there are some uh, good examples of people who put out I, Gold Corp once put out a challenge around, and they shared all their data on uh, on their uh, geography to try to see if anybody could make suggestions as to where they might find more gold. And it was a very successful contest. And NASA uh, did something to try to be able to predict solar flares, which influence uh, space flight. And sure. uh, they had done a lot of work internally on this and 
nobody really predicted they'd find much, but they found someone from a completely different discipline who uh, had a completely different way of looking at the problem and got much better results. So that's the kind of thing that they talk about. I get it. So now I know the kind of thing you mean. Um, and in, in my world, the thing I, I would know is um, the uh, Netflix uh, had a contest um, for machine learning to try to work out uh, if you could predict the films that somebody would like, and they had an anonymized data set. And then that gave birth to something called Kaggle. Uh, we'll put links right. to all these in the in the show notes if people are interested. And Kaggle is a place where you can put up your machine learning, your artificial intelligence tasks, and um, have a contest and um, put up your data. And someone can say, oh, yeah, I can fit that data just a little bit better. And um, of course, in Netflix's case, it's worth uh, millions or billions of dollars if they can get 1% better at predicting what the next movie is that you might rent from them. So that's that's very clever of them to, to have done that. It's right in that frame. And these top coders, another one like Kegel, uh, and they're, uh, and they, in those instances, you sort of, it's well-defined what you want to do. You just want someone to uh, find a better algorithm. And if you put it out to a whole bunch of different people, they'll have different backgrounds, different experience, different things in their toolkit. It's very likely that someone will be able to do better than just your small group. The challenge again is, you know, how do you frame the problem? How do you frame the evaluation of the problem? And then there are design factors like, uh, do you share the intermediate solutions or, or do you wait until the end and just everybody uh, competes? How do you make the rewards? That kind of thing. Uh, but the same thing happens in the physical world. At Goodyear, we had a contest to try to um, solve the problem of adhering cured rubber to cured rubber, mm. which is a very you know a difficult uh, technical challenge, and we had some uh, some need for it. And we put it out. In that instance, we had a lot of very different ideas. We didn't have any that we chose to take to market. So. Uh, so th anyway, that's a, it's become Henry Chesbro, who's the guy who, uh, who coined the term open innovation, uh, has written a book and done a lot of consulting and practices on top, have been built on top of practices uh, for open innovation. The thing that I think has been this, he advocated doing that to find stuff. He also advocated spinning things out. Um, uh, so one of his observations, he, I think he studied for his doctoral thesis or something, Xerox, uh, its heyday, where it really invented the office of the future, but it really made its money. Those inventions made their money when they were spun out. Uh, yep. And Apple and 3Com and uh, many other companies were, were formed on the basis of it. So that's, that's open innovation in big companies. Probably is more relevant in big than in small. Yeah, there's absolutely none of that in at least any of the startups that I've worked with. They don't enter Kaggle competitions. I mean, they might compete in them to try to raise money to run the startup, <laughs> but uh, they, they certainly would not be putting out uh, a big reward for someone to solve a big problem. They just haven't got the cash and the investment in framing it just right and getting everything exactly accurate just wouldn't be worth it in a situation where your business model isn't clear, where it's not clear anybody wants your product which is the sort of thing a startup is trying to answer sort of existentially. Right. Is there a reason for us to exist? Does anyone want to stream movies? Is that even important to the, the world at all? Whereas Netflix says, yes, people definitely want to stream movies. And it would be wonderful if we could get 0.01% better at predicting what they want. 
and that would definitely have a monetary value to us. Therefore, it's worth having a, a contest. Whereas for a startup, that just wouldn't make any sense. You know, some startups have used uh, funding platforms uh, as no, that's both, true. Yeah, yeah, both a uh, a, a way of uh, getting funding, but also a way of testing the market. So if you pre-sell a product, uh, then that's market research. If if there are enough people to buy it. But it's not for the innovation purpose. They've already had the idea. They they're they've already built the I don't know the self-driving helicopter or whatever nifty thing they've come up with, <laughs> and they then they want people to buy it and then do it. But they don't want people to say, oh yeah, I could do that. You know, I could make the rotor blades go faster or something. That's not what they're interested in from that source. So uh, there's absolutely none of that in startups that I can see. There is this idea of open open source. But I'm, uh, and that's the uh, idea in software that there's some um, tools out there that you can get off the shelf. And that's the sort of thing that gives startups, especially, a really big boost. But I'm wondering if maybe we should cover that next time, because I think we've, we've uh, exhausted a lot of our time. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. And maybe we could talk about open source hardware as well as open source software. Absolutely. I have some startup uh, uh, hardware startups that I've known that uh, do that kind of thing, and it's very, very beneficial. Cool stuff. All right. Very good. Excellent. Well, good to understand now at least the big startup world of openness, open innovation, and I'm going to be talking next time about uh, open source uh, software and what that means and, and how that helps and open source hardware, what that means in the startup world. So if you're encountering either of these kinds of openness or have questions about them, you can get in touch with us. You'll find all the links to the th different things we talked about in the show notes, and you can get in touch with us on Twitter and email and other things. All that stuff is uh, in the show notes accompanying this podcast. And of course, we'll be back next week. If you want to hear about open source in startups, uh, you want to come back next week and you could hit the subscribe button in order to do that. So we'd sure appreciate it if you did. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. <laughs>